applause, you can do it better. I know some of you can't wait to get back to your meals. And um, some of you, sacrificing breakfast was a big deal. But you've been able to do it, and uh, God bless you. And I pray that every request that you've brought before God, may God honor you. May God answer you in the name of Jesus. Um, so it's been my custom here in church that whenever we are ending our 40 days of power, I preach around the theme of glory. Um, uh, and this morning I'm speaking on what I have titled, It's Set Up for Glory. It is set up for glory. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 9. I'm reading from verse number 1. In fact, today I'll spend most of the time in John chapter 9. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had seen these things, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he said, so he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors of those who had previously seeing that he was blind, said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And he said, I am he. Hallelujah. Amen. As a preacher, um, when you begin to preach and you begin to teach, there are some scriptures that are good for preaching. And this is one of them. They preach themselves. Right, and um, over the years, I can count the number of messages I've preached from John chapter 9. But this morning, what I want to do is, I want the text to speak to us, right? Instead of preaching and telling you some of the wonderful things, those things will come along the line. I'll try to squeeze it in between. But this morning, I want the text itself to speak to us. Hallelujah. So the portion of scripture we just read, it begins by saying that, and Jesus was passing by. To understand that statement, you must go back to John chapter number 8, verse 59. In John chapter 8, Jesus had gone back and forth with the Jews. He was trying to get them to see who he was as the son of God, as the Messiah. I remember in one of the discourses, Jesus told them that before Abraham was, I am. And he did not say even I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Trying to key them into the fact that he, Jesus, standing before them is the I am that Moses met in Exodus chapter 3. But they could not get it. So they took up stones to stone him. And the Bible says, and Jesus went out of the temple and passed 
through them. So when he says, and Jesus passed by, that is where Jesus is coming from. He's coming from the place where people who know him should identify him but cannot identify him. And he comes to a blind man. And when he's passing by, he sees this blind man and the disciples begin a theological conquest. Uh, they begin asking Jesus questions because they are trying to find out who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And do not fault the disciples when they ask these questions because the disciples are Jews. They are born into what we call a Deuteronomistic worldview. They see the world from the standpoint of the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter number 27 to 28, God had given the nation of Israel uh, the covenant. And he had told them that if you obey the terms of the covenant, then you will find blessing, you will find prosperity, you will find wealth. You will be prosperous in the land that you are in. If you disobey the terms of the covenant, then what is going to come upon you is disease, destruction. You are going to... Uh, face exile from the land. So when they meet anybody who is sick, anybody who is facing destruction of any kind, their initial mindset is that somebody has broken the terms of a certain covenant. So they ask, who sinned? Because if you remember in the book of John chapter 2, when the man who was lame and his friends broke through the roof and they brought him down, when Jesus turned to him, Jesus did not say you are healed. He said your sins are forgiven you. So there are times in your life where you encounter disease, destruction, or some kind of misfortune, and it is as a result of sin in your life. But Jesus told these people that this one is not a result of sin. This particular issue is not because somebody did something wrong. His parents did not sin that he was born blind. And they even asked, did the man himself sin? Because the Jewish people believe that a child in the mother's womb is still conscious and is alive and has the ability to sin or not. So they said maybe whilst he was in his mother's womb, he did something. And God is punishing him with the blindness. And sometimes as human beings, we tend to fall in that same trap. We see a certain misfortune in our life. We see certain difficulties that we are going through. We see certain troubles that we are facing. And all of a sudden, we begin to conjecture. We begin to um, uh, create theories. It is that thing that I did in 2008 that God is punishing me for. It is that thing that I did last year that I did not confess my sins. Then I said, Pastor, what can I do to turn this situation around? But Jesus introduces a new alternative. He says, this one is not a result of sin, but it is a setup. Somebody say it's a setup. Jesus said that this one is not, of, it's not because of sin, but there is something that I want to do, that God wants to see done in this man's life. And this is a caution to all of us as Christians. When you see somebody going through difficult times and you see somebody going through hardship, don't sit back and begin to gossip. But this person, I saw him here last year. It's because of what he's doing on that God. No. Because you do not understand what God is working in someone's life. In the book of Job, when Job's misfortune befell him, when Job's friends came, the Bible says for eight days they were silent sitting by him. So you would think they were good friends, mourning with him. But when they began to speak, they said, Job, we know you. You're a proud man. You have done something. You have robbed the poor. And God is punishing you. Confess your sins. 
And it, it could be that when you confess your sins, God will come through for you. But Job said, I've committed no wrong. They said, even that statement that you are saying is pride. But let us be careful how we judge situations because we do not always have the full picture. But Jesus makes a statement. He says, this man did not sin nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. What does Jesus mean when he says that the works of God should be revealed in him? Two things. Number one, in John chapter 6, from verse 28 to 29, the context of John chapter 6 is simple. Jesus had fe finished feeding the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. And the Bible says that because the people ate and they were full, they followed Jesus to the other side. And Jesus told them not to follow after food because you are coming after me not because you love me, not because you want to follow God, but because you have eaten bread and you are full. And this is a message to somebody over here. Don't follow God only because of your daily needs. There is much more to God than him providing the clothes on your body, than him providing the food that you eat, than him giving you a car, getting you a house, getting you a new job, answering your prayer. There is more to God than provision. And Jesus said that you people are following me because you have eaten and you are, you are full. And he began to speak to them about doing the works of God. And the people replied and said, Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So it's the same expression. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Then Jesus answered to them and said, This is the work of God, that you may believe in him who he sent. So when Jesus says, that this man was born blind so that we, I may work the works of God in him or that the works of God might be revealed in him. What Jesus is saying is that this situation was set up so that we might bring faith in him. Belief in God in him. right? And, and we will see how it plays out in the end. Because there are certain things that if you do not go through, your knowledge of God will be limited. If you do not go through certain hardships, you do not go through certain difficulties, it is not God who brings them to you. Because the Bible tells us in the book of James that when any man is tempted or goes through trials, do not say that God is tempting me. Because there is no evil in God, neither does he tempt anyone with evil. But sometimes will God allow you to go through it? Yes. Because there are, see, there are things that if you do not go through, your understanding of God will be one-sided. Some of us appreciate God as our savior, and it is good, but there is more to God than savior. Some of us understand God as provider, and that is good, but there is more to God than your provider, than being your provider. And I don't know what you are going through, but I came to announce to somebody that all that you are going through this morning, all that you are going through in your life in this season, it is a divine setup. Psalm 119 verse 71 when I was young, I used to read this psalm. But after three years ago, I understand this psalm. Psalm 119 verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. David is saying that it was, he, when he was going through it, it wasn't a nice situation. But now he's looking back and he says, It was good for me. 
It was good for me that I went through affliction. And, and, and this, this is not a pleasant message to somebody this morning. But sometimes it's, it's good for you that you went through the lack. It is good for you that you went through those down moments. It is good for you that you went through the valley season. It is good for you that at some point in time you wept and you cried. Because see, I can tell you standing here that there were moments where I went through some trials. And I wept on my bed. I cried, God, where are you? There are times for seven months straight, every Friday, I was locked up in church praying all night. Because there was a situation in my life and I was like, God, why? But now, where I stand, I can say with David, it is good for me that I was afflicted. That I may learn your statutes. Because there are portions in God that you will never know. You will never be able to identify if all things are rosy. And God is not, you see, God's main idea in your life, God's main consideration is not necessarily your comfort, is that you will come to know him. And God will use every means possible. Hallelujah. The second thing that Jesus means by that statement is that the, that the works of God might be revealed in him is that the situation him being born congenitally blind was set up to reveal God's glory. There's a similar situation that happens in John chapter 11 verse 4. Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, is dead. Jesus has been told that Lazarus is dead. And he says, oh no, he's not dead, he's sleeping. But the disciples did not understand what was going on. The Bible says in John chapter 11 verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is somebody sick to the point of death. And later they were even told that the guy had died. But Jesus said that you people do not understand God. This one is not for death. It is that the glory of God may be revealed. And one of the things that you must understand about God is that when God works... And God is working. The ultimate purpose of God in all that he does is his glory. The ultimate purpose of God in all that he does is his glory. You see, one of the terms that we use in church over and over again when we talk about God is the term glory. And sometimes it becomes lost on us. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah went to the throne room of God, when he was being commissioned, the Bible says he saw the seraphims of glory. They had six wings, with two they flew, two they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet. And they said one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is, you see, when, they were, they, when Jewish people use repetition, it is to create emphasis. So when it comes to us, God is three times in emphasis, remove from us anything else. When the Bible says that something is holy, it means it is different. And it says that God is different from any other thing that you may know. For any other God that you know, God is different. Any other thing that you know in this world, God is different. And he is superlatively different. It's not even close. So what then, and they, they, they said something interesting. They said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his Glory. They didn't say it's filled with his holiness. Because if they saw his holiness, then the whole earth shall be filled with his holiness. But they said the whole earth is filled with his glory. What does that mean? 
It means that when we talk about the glory of God, the glory of God is the holiness of God on display. So when we say God is good, God's goodness is different from my goodness. God's love is different from my love. When the love of God is displayed, the glory of God is revealed. When the holiness of, when the, 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 the goodness of God is displayed, right, the glory of God is revealed. That's why in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses prayed, Father, show me your glory. And God came down the cloud of glory. He says, I shall let all my goodness pass before you. Moses asked for glory. But God says that when my goodness passes before you, you will realize that there is, there is something in me that is different from everyone else. And the weight of that revelation is what we call the glory of God. And what we must also understand, I'm building a case here, what we must also understand is that human beings as we are, we were created to reflect God's glory. In Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26 and 27, when God was making man, he says, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. That statement is not just a statement of ontology, which is that it is not just a statement of being. It is actually a statement of purpose. That when God says, let us make man in our own image, he was actually stating our purpose. The purpose of mankind in this world is to reflect God. And if God is holy and you have been made to reflect God, what you are reflecting is the glory of God. Are we together? And in Psalm 8, David puts it this way. In Psalm 8 from verse 45. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. So when God says, when Jesus says to this man that he did not sin. But that it was that the works of God may be revealed in him. Number one, it is that belief. Faith in God might be revealed in him. But number two, it is also that the glory of God might be revealed in him. What Jesus is saying is that what this man is going through is tied to his original purpose. Because his original purpose as a human being is to reflect the glory of God. It is to reflect the, the holiness of God, which is God's glory. And if this is set up for the works of God to be revealed, that means it is set up for God to be glorified. When God allows certain things to happen in your life, it is to enable him, number one, work in you. And number two, to work through you. To work in you and to work through you. Let's, let's go back to the text. Today I said I'm, I'm just laying out the text for us. I'll let the scripture preach itself. The Bible says after that conversation, Jesus did something. He spat on the ground, mixed it with a clay, and anointed the man's eyes. Let me make a case here right now. Let me warn you. When you read your Bible, there are things that are descriptive and there are things that are prescriptive. When we say something is descriptive, it is just describing what happened. When we say something is prescriptive, it is telling you what to do. When you read something like this in your Bible, Jesus is not saying go and spit on the ground and anoint people's eyes. Are we together? That is not the point of this text. In fact, the point of spitting on the ground and making mud to anoint the man's eyes is a sign that Jesus is God. Because how did God make man? He made man from the dust of the ground. 
And if a man is born blind, that means his eyes have been defected in his formation. So if Jesus is going to correct the eyes, he must make it again. So he spat on the ground, mixed it with mud, anointed his eyes. It was a process of recreation of the man's eyes. You cannot recreate. So it is not in your place to go and be spitting and anointing people's eyes. Are we together? That is why in this church we don't spit on people. We don't anoint people with saliva. Don't go and do that. You go to church, someone say, there are so many things that people do and they'll justify, they'll say it's in the Bible. The fact that it's in the Bible does not mean you should repeat it. Somebody wants to marry three wives, they'll say, but it's in the Bible. Go and do and see. You, you will see that your life will be destroyed. Are we together? Let's go back. The Bible said that Jesus anointed this man's eyes with saliva and he sent him. You see, this, was, this is the part of this story that whenever I read, it, it sets me back a bit. Because this man can't see. And Jesus seems to compound the situation. Because even when you can't see, if something irritates your eyes, you would feel it. So Jesus makes mud and puts it on the man's eyes. It causes an irritation. And not only does it cause an irritation, he sends a blind man on a journey. Because we, we do not read anywhere that Jesus said that go and wash and you would come back seeing. But he just put the saliva on his eyes and said go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That means this man does not have any assurance. All he can do is to obey the man called Jesus. And sometimes it looks as though in the midst of your trouble, when you have come to God, God does not even speak about your trouble, but he sends you. Go and do this for me. Go and do that for me. It's like when, the more you are crying about your problems to God, the more ministry assignments God is giving you. But what do we do in that situation? All we have to do is to obey Jesus. And the, the Bible tells us, it's a very simple term. It says, he went, he washed, and he came back seeing. And I don't know what God has instructed you in this season. But if you want the situation to turn around, all you have to do is follow the example of this man. Obey the one who sent you. Obey the one who sent you. Because sometimes it might look as though the situation is becoming worse than you, you went in the beginning. It might annoy you because you want a solution to your problem, but what you are getting is more errands. What you are getting is more assignments. What you are getting is God giving you more things to do. And it looks as though he's not addressing your problem. But what you do not know is that that journey is part of the solution. Are we together? And the Bible says that when he came back, he came back seeing. Another reason why that whole scene is very important is because sometimes it is easy to put God in a stereotype. So you can be in a season because this man may have heard about Jesus. Because he's not the only blind man Jesus has healed at this point. There was a man called Blind Bartimaeus. And Blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing and he cried out and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus called him and spoke to him and his eyes were opened. He may have heard that Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda is actually closer to where they were than the pool of Siloam. So I don't, sometimes I don't know why Jesus did not send him to the pool of Bethesda, but he sent him on a longer journey to go to the pool of Siloam, to go and wash there. You see, the point is this. Do not put God in a box on how he should solve your problem. 
The fact that he said go and somebody was healed and he says be healed and somebody's eyes were open does not mean he will do yours the same way. Because here's the point. You do not have the same assignment. Are we together? Sometimes my assignment would mean that God would deal with me in a certain way. And your assignment would mean that God would put you in another cage. Because some of the things that sometimes you look at somebody's life. I remember uh, I was just talking to my wife yesterday. And I remember um, December at our wedding anniversary, I posted something on um, uh, social media. I posted about the countries that my wife and I have been to right, over the years of our marriage. And somebody commented and said, God, I want the same thing. And the guy was my friend, so I, I said, you don't want the same thing. Let me tell you, you don't want, maybe you want the finished product, but the process, you don't want it. You don't want to stay up at night crying. You don't want to stay up at night questioning God. So sometimes don't put God in a box. Your problem may look different. God may be sending you in a certain direction. All you need to do is obey the one who sent you. And the Bible says, he went and he washed and he came back seeing. But when he came back, there was a debate. There was a debate because they said, ah, is this not the one that we saw sitting down begging? Some said, it is not him. Some said, it is like him. And that is what is going to happen to us before the end of the year. I don't know the problem that you are going through. I don't know the situation that you are going through. But I can tell you that when God is done with you, even your friends will not recognize you. Your family will not recognize you. They will look at you and say, ah, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Because they are used to you sitting and begging. They, 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 they are comfortable with you sitting and begging. But when he came, because when he came, he did not sit at the same place to beg. They could not identify him. Because sometimes people do not identify you with your person. They identify you with what you do. So because he was not begging, they could not identify him. And that's what God is going to do with your life. He's going to transform you. The Bible says in the book of Science, when the Lord again turned the captivity of Israel, who were like them that dream, even you, you'll be shocked at what God will do with you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. But let's see something here. In all that is happening, the true miracle in this text is not that the man got his sight. That's, that is not the real miracle happening here. The real miracle is what Jesus said, that the works of God may be worked in him, right? And I said it means two things, that God might work belief in him and also work out his glory. That means God was working something in the man himself and working something through the man. And that is the true miracle that is happening here. Before we started, like I said, in John chapter 8, Jesus had been trying to speak to people who were supposed to know him but could not identify him. So let's see what is actually happening in the text after this. After Jesus, Jesus opened this man's eyes, they brought him to the people and they began questioning him. I want you to pay attention to the trajectory that this man goes in his knowledge of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 9, 10 to 11, it says, Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus. If the Bible is yours, you can underline a man called Jesus. He says, a man called Jesus made clay 
and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received my sight. You realize that Jesus never mentioned that go and wash and your eyes will be open. He just said go and wash. And the man said, I went, I washed and I received my sight. That's why I said that what is most important in your walk with God is the obedience. Because some, some of us, you see, we are waiting for God to tell us when you go, this will happen to you before we take the step. But sometimes your journey with God is like how Google Maps directs you. When you get to this intersection, turn left. And it will be quiet until you get there. Are we together? And that is how we must relate to God. Obey what God has said. But the point is this. When they asked him who healed him, he says, a man called Jesus. Based on this statement, the, 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 the structure of the description meant that he had no intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. All he knew was what people called him. Because till, up till now, this man had not even seen Jesus. Because by the time his eyes were open, he wasn't near Jesus. So when they asked him, how did you receive your sight? He says, a man called Jesus anointed my eyes with clay and said, go and wash. And it, it caused a stir up and confusion. So they brought him before the Pharisees. And they questioned him again. And they said to the man, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? So they're asking him about this Jesus now. This is a Jesus that he has not seen. Said, And he answered and said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So, all of a sudden, this man has transitioned. I told you, God is working something in this man. That is the true miracle. He has moved from a man called Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's seen Jesus as a prophet. And the people, the Jewish people did not believe in what he was saying. The Pharisees, who were supposed to know better, were denying him. So because they wanted to deny the miracle, they said, that, oh, this man was not born blind. So they went to call his parents to come in identify. And the parents too were very smart. The parents were number one. They were afraid of the authority of the Pharisees. So they said that, is this your son? And he was born. He said, as for us, he is our son. And for the better part of what we know, he was born blind. But as to how he received his sight, that one, we don't have anything to do with it. He's of age. Ask him. Because this man is about 40 years at the time. He says, he's of age. Ask him. And I love the wisdom of the parents. They didn't want to get into trouble. So after they questioned the parents and everything, they realized that they could not deny the miracle. They brought the man again. And they asked him, what do you have to say about this Jesus again? He says, the man answered and said to them, why is this a marvelous, why, why? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. So the man who was born blind, who has not met Jesus, is now going to teach these people about Jesus. He still hasn't seen Jesus at this point in time. But now he is going to teach these people about Jesus Christ. He says, why? This is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, 
See, the man is telling you something. Oh. He says, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. That means the man himself knew that his case was hopeless until Jesus came in. He says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Look at that way they answered. So they answered him and said to him, you, you were completely born in sins. Are you now teaching us? And they cast him out. At this point in time, the man is now teaching them. That's why I said the problem that he went through, it wasn't just that he went through for going through sick. God was creating a teacher with blindness. God is creating a healer with your problem. God is creating an encourager with your problem. God is creating a prophet with your problem. So I don't know what you are going through, but trust God because the works of God will be revealed in you. That's the glory of God. The glory of God is that he can take things that do not make sense and display his glory out of it. That even the, the, the Pharisees that were denying the man said to him, you go and give glory to God. Because for some, for some part of the miracle, they cannot deny it. But like I said, the works of God is that God was working faith in the man. John chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. So after they cast him out of the temple... This man is now going to meet Jesus. For the first time, since his eyes were opened, he is actually now coming to encounter Jesus. Then Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said to him, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. The true miracle in John chapter 9 is that a blind man could see Jesus for who he was. And the, the, the religious leaders of the day could not see Jesus. The true reason for your problem is that there is a part of God that he wants to show you. That if he does not take you through that problem, if he does not take you through that journey, if he does not take you through that valley, you would never see God for who he is. And that's why David said, it is good for me that I was afflicted. It is good for me that I was afflicted. I don't know what you are going through, but this morning, it is set up for your glory. This problem, it is set up for your glory. Tap your neighbor and say, it is set up for your glory. It is set up for God's glory. And once it is for God's glory, it is for my good. See, and that is where, where our confidence must be in. That is why Paul could say, now I rejoice in tribulations. Because whenever God works a tribulation or allows me to go through something, I know that there is glory on the other side. It, it may not look pleasant now. It may be painful to my flesh. I may not understand what is happening, but this is one thing I know. There is glory on the other side. And I want us to hold on to God. You see, that's what I was saying. That Sometimes we just need to let the text preach itself. There is, there is a miracle in your blindness. There is a miracle in your pain. There is glory in your suffering. And I want you to trust God. Sometimes what Jesus 
will do in solving your problem may not even make sense to you because I'm sure because the man said that it was a man called Jesus that means he had heard something about Jesus Christ he had heard how he was able to raise the dead he has heard how he's able to heal the sick so sometimes when you come to church you are you are expecting oh I am praying that today pastor will lay hands on me and I'll fall down God will solve my problem God will not lay hands on you I remember there were times where I was going through hard times and I was opening up to some of my, my seniors in ministry and some people that I looked up to. I was thinking that when I open up my problems to them, they will help me as help me solve it. They said that God is with you. And I thank God that none of them helped me. God, sometimes you see, you are looking for help in your problem. What you don't, what you need is not help. What you need is just look to Jesus. Continue to walk with him. When he sends you, go. You may still be blind and God is sending you, but still go. The Bible says he went, he washed, and he came back seeing. May you come back seeing. As you obey God, may you come back seeing. I don't know what is causing pain in your life. There's somebody here you've been crying to God all week, all night. I came with this message for you. You will come back seeing. Doesn't matter what they may have said about your problem. They went to look at the man. They went to look for the man at the place where he was begging, and they couldn't find him. They will come to look for you at the place of your problem. They won't find you because you would encounter the Lord. And I pray that you will come out not just seeing, but seeing God for who He is seeing the son of God for years the man said to Jesus he says who is he that I may believe in him so when Jesus said that I may work the works in him you see here's the thing which one was more important in the life of this man that he would receive his sight and go to hell or be born blind and meet the son of God and that is why we do not judge situations for what they are Sometimes the lack, the problem they are going through, it's so that you meet God for who he is, so that you don't miss heaven. Let us trust and know that in all of this, the works of God will be revealed in us. Once you were a Christian, nothing happens to you. Everything works for you. That's why Paul says, all things work together for our good. For our good. For our good. You may be sick, but all things work together for your good. You may be sad, all things work together for your good. You may be struggling, all things work together for your good. It may not make sense, all things work together for your good. This man's blindness led to his salvation. There were people who were born seeing, but could never see Jesus for who he was. understand what you are going through 
you may not even like it but Jesus said this was a setup that the works of God may be revealed in him you want to lift up your hands as an act of surrender and you are saying the father let your works be revealed in me let your works be revealed in me let your works be revealed in me you may have gone through a business venture and lost money lost chunks of money and you don't know what how you're going to get that money back forget about the money say god let your works be revealed in me today i want you to take your eye off your problem saying the father let your works be revealed in me kalo shadaba rende kele bezua tabada brandafa Father, let your glory be seen in me. Manda dalaba da brabala bazoatas. Rababa kushada badia zada badasa. Randa badosh kavali abranda falabadu azada branda kalabada baha. Bible says that these light afflictions, which are for a moment, are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I pray that in this season, may that weight of glory be revealed in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Madushka valia dabranda kalio shadabaha. Lezadi kalo shadabrampa ikali wazaya. Father, let your works be revealed in us. Let your works be revealed in us. Let your works be revealed in us. In the name of Jesus, let your works be revealed in us. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may please be seated. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. light afflictions which are for a moment they are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory this situation is set up for your glory and I know at the end of the year we'll have some wild testimonies in this church we'll have some wild testimonies by December 31st go market we'll have some wild testimonies you say ah didn't this thing happen in this year? There's so much that God is going to do in this season that at the end of the year, we'll all look back and sometimes when you are told that this thing also happened in 2023, you won't believe it because you'll be in a different season altogether. 